Welcome, welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Let's get started. Straight from New York. Yo, yo, this handsome ass. Yo, yo, ah, now. Tune in to Al Joe the Funk Master. Watch your grill, yoga, knock out cold fast. And talking shit, now we talking facts. Where the man are off the back. You in trouble, came to burst your bubble. I don't shelter punches. They find home on your mind about a devil. It's the weekly scraps. You don't need a map. GPS, I'm right here to lead a dash. The world doesn't know it needs, but I grow disease. Planet, fuck a name and the fame. Only legacy remains. Remember the name, how Jermaine Sterling uh, It ain't shit, it ain't shit Motherfucker Epic NFL season comes to an end this Sunday, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56, has a super offer for new customers. Get 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 or more to get $280 in free bets if your team wins. Betting on MMA is more your style? DraftKings Sportsbook also has tons of ways to bet Saturday's big fights, UFC 261 fight card in Houston. Throw down on who will win each fight, how fights will finish, and so much more. Fists are sure to fly in the main event middleweight title bout, so don't miss out. Your call to action is download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use promo code FUNKMASTER. Bet just $5 or more on either Super Bowl 56 team and get $280 in free bets if they win. That's promo code FUNKMASTER at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56. Must be 21 and older. Minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbooks for full list of requirements and state-specific reasonable gambling, gam, gaming resources. Wow. <laughs> Void where prohibited. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in Tennessee. Call or text the TN Redline 1-800-889-9789. Uh, in Connecticut, call another number. And you guys can check out these numbers on DraftKings dot com slash sportsbook for full listing details so guys go check that out use my promo code funk master what's up guys welcome back to the weekly scraps episode 164 ufc 271 is among us it is about to get crazy my friend and i'm not just saying this in a wakanda and accent because of israel adesanya but but because of israel adesanya <laughs> this is going to be a great card. I'm excited for the return of Izzy, the man, uh, the stylebender, taking on Robert, the Reaper, Whitaker. Big rematch. Um, I think a lot of questions are going to be answered in this one. Did Robert just have a bad night? Did he let the pressure get to him? Is Adesanya still the guy right now? Can he take out Whitaker in just of an impressive fashion the way he did the first time? I think that's going to be a hard performance to top, especially the way he was leaning back and able to pick off some of those shots, pinpoint accuracy, and on top of that, just getting out of the way barely by like a centimeter from the shots of Robert Whitaker or even some of them even slightly grazing him and him still putting Robert Whitaker down first. So this is a big rematch. I'm super excited for this card. And I cannot wait. I would have liked to have gone down to Houston, but we were supposed to do a seminar. I don't know what actually happened with that. Orn. Um... But yeah, we're supposed to do a seminar. Uh, I don't know what happened. So it's probably better that I'm not doing that right now because February 12th is like the beginning of my training camp, really. I'm, I've been training this entire time, but I've been just maintained to stay in shape so that I could kickstart the training camp the right way. And now going into training camp, I'm not trying to get into shape. I'm just picking up where we left off kind of thing, you know, if that makes sense. It's just been an ever long, ever going, ever long process of just training, training, training. 
more trading, more trading, more trading, more trading. So here we are, finally getting closer to my fight. But yes, right now, UFC 271 is the topic for us to talk about right now. Now, let's get into this. UFC 271, Israel Asanya, Robert Whitaker, the rematch. Now, since the loss, Robert Whitaker, still 31 years of age, uh, 73 and a half inch reach uh, over in New Zealand. He won three fights. Darren Till, Jared Cannonier, and Kelvin Gassam. All those performances, he looked great. He looked like Robert Whitaker of old. It looked like he, this was the guy that we were hoping for to show up against Israel Adesanya to see how that matchup would have went if he had brought his best A game on the night. He said he was burnt out. He said a whole bunch of things. Um, and and not like their excuses because when you do ask what happened, what went wrong, and then when someone tells you what they think People tend to say, oh, you're making an excuse. But it's not its not an excuse if you're asking what you think went wrong, what could have been better. You could easily say the guy was better than me that night. But I do think if I had done these other things, things could have possibly been different. That's not an excuse. Uh, people, it's weird. It's like you say anything, damned if you do, damned if you don't. But I'm looking forward to this one to see how he matches up this time with the mind games and the mental warfare that Israel likes to play who is 21-1, only losing to Jan Blokovic, going up a weight class, trying to capture the 205-pound belt. Things didn't go his way. He looked a lot smaller. Uh, Blokovic was able to take him down, maintain control relatively easy, and that makes you wonder like, what would have happened if Israel Adesanya did get that super fight matchup with John Jones at such an early point of his career. I mean, he's dominated so far of what he's done, but at the same point, being in the UFC, he's still in an early tenure of his career. He hasn't been around the longest. I think his debut, um, let's go back, was 2018. You see what I'm saying? So he hasn't been around that long with the company, but he's fought a lot of times. He has a, has had a lot of championship caliber fights, and um, he's putting in the time, man, at the end of the day. So his last one, he beat Marvin Victoria in a rematch. Pretty dominantly, I think the first fight was a lot closer between them two. I know there was a split decision, which I still thought Izzy was winning, controlling the fight, but it was a split decision. You can make a case for whatever you want to make a case for. But the second fight, I still feel like Israel kind of won pretty comfortably, and it didn't seem like Vittori was really... Like, he was there to fight, but it didn't seem like he was offering much in the sense of a challenge towards Adesanya, if that makes sense. And that's no disrespect to Vittori. I just think when watching it, it never looked like Izzy was ever once like un super uncomfortable or out of his, outside of himself, for lack of better words. I didn't see any of that in that matchup. And before that, obviously, we talked about Jan Blokovic, but now here he is having a rematch with Robert Whitaker. This weekend, oh, excuse me, I had a long night. I did some edibles, bro. Oh, my goodness. So I took two edibles before BJJ training, full disclosure. Um, it was a light day. I had a huge gap. I did 6 a.m. BJJ training at 10 Planet. Then in between, I had PT at 2 o'clock. So I was supposed to take a nap, which I did. I was supposed to wake up and take my edible at about 1 o'clock and then head to the PI, just now starting to feel the kick, and then go back home, relax, eat, and get ready for my 6 p.m. training session at 10 Planet. And I forgot to take it. But I took it when I got back from PT. And then I just kind of just hung out, ate some food before training. And I didn't feel anything still before training. 
got the training, still didn't feel anything, went through the whole thing, and then I got home, decided to take four more of the strips. It was like these little rolls. I took four more of those strips. I think they're like eight milligrams a piece. I took two earlier. Normally, 10 does me pretty just, like, does me, a, it does me justice. Then 20 is like, okay, we're going to take a little trip. We're having a good time. Now, I was like, I didn't feel any of those two, which was probably 16% milligrams, whatever, 60%, 16 milligrams. Okay, factor in, now I took four. I'm in bed, and I'm chilling, and then it hits me, like, I get home, like, around 9, so then it hits me, like, 10.30, yo. I'm in bed watching Billions. Second episode now I'm watching, and I'm just like, oh, my goodness, what is going on? I'm getting ready for a liftoff. Three, two, one. <laughs> I make myself laugh. And then I woke up this morning a little groggy. I passed out watching Billions. Um, the T. I woke up at like four o'clock in the morning. The TV was still on. Turned it off. Used the bathroom. Went back to bed. Uh, got a little worried because I had a little cotton mouth. And um, I woke up today and I was like, Yo, I still feel like I'm in a trance, which is so crazy. But whatever. I got my PT work in. I'm actually going back. Today's gonna be a straight up recovery day. I think I'm gonna just really just take it easy. Um, I've been crushing it pretty pretty hard. Um, and I'm just feeling like really overly sore in certain spots. So I think it's let my, my body's letting me know, like, yeah, dog, let's chill. You can chill. So I'm going to do that. Um, but what, I don't even know why I went off on that tangent, but I did. Uh, Derek Lewis versus Ty Tuovasa. This is a good one. Fun fight. Derek Lewis back in Houston. Last knockout over Chris Dawkins. Um, before that, he lost to Cyril Gann in his attempt to capture UFC gold once again. Footwork of God was just too much. Oh, I was saying because I'm tired because I was yawning. Oh, um, The footwork of God was a bit too much for Derek Lewis. And then you have Bam Bam Tuovasa, 14-3, from Australia, 6-2, 28 years old. Um, on a four-fight win streak, Augusto Sakai, Greg Hardy, Harry Hansucker, and Stefan Struve all by finishes. And before that, he was on a three-fight skid. And now look at him. Back like he never left. Um, Derek Lewis, how old is he now? 37. Wow. So, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, you could kind of say the UFC is doing their typical passing of the torch kind of thing. Tied to Avasa wins this. This is a huge feather in his cap. Taking on a guy who fought for the, the world title twice at the heavyweight division. And if he takes him out in spectacular fashion, that puts him next in line. If not one away, I would imagine. I, I would have to say that he has to be next in line taking out Dirk Lewis, who is probably ranked either two through five. Has to, right? So if Derek Lewis wins, it shows that the passing of the torch will not happen today. You shall not pass. Rah. That's what he's going to be looking to do. And if he wins at 37 years old, we obviously know the UFC heavyweight division is one of the oldest, if not the oldest division within the UFC um, per fighter, like on average. But at the same time, they're starting to get younger. They're starting to bring in a younger talent. As you see, Bam Bam Tuvasa, 28, um, Chris Dawkins, um, Tom Aspinall, some of those other guys, Juan, Juan uh, Espinal or whatever his name is. And there's just a lot of there's a lot of talented guys now in this division. And it's starting to get younger and younger, which is only going to elevate the game that much more and make the heavyweight division that much more intriguing when you have more athletes, more 
younger athletes, guys who can have matches with this person, that person, still all be relatively in their prime, relatively in their prime in comparison to having a guy who's 37 fighting a guy who's 25, um, that type of thing, even though 37 versus 28 in Dirk Lewis versus Bam Bam Tuivasa. Now, Lewis, we all know what he's looking to do, bang him up, sit in the pocket. I, I think if he sits in the pocket with... To Ovasa, I think he should have a better time. Even though I do think Bam Bam has maybe the faster hands, but I think Lewis probably hits harder, looks like he hits harder, and I think he could probably take a shot better than Bam Bam. I mean, when he got hit by Greg Hardy, who is a former NFL athlete, which I have to make sure I disclose that or at least put that out there for you guys to understand. So when he hits you, it's a little different than another heavyweight hitting you. This guy is one of those freak athletes that make it to the NFL. He's loading up and actually learning how to throw a proper punch. Connects with Tuavasa, has him on wobbly legs. He rushes in, inexperienced, and then gets clipped in the process. And then Bam Bam was able to put him away with his shots. So with that being said, um, I still think this one leans in the favor of, of uh, Derek Lewis. If they sit in the pocket and trade heavy shots. If Tuavasa could touch him up and move a little bit, I think he can get the job done. Just my personal opinion. Um, but it all depends on his approach to the game. And I'm not trying to sign up, bro. I'm not trying to sign up. I'm just trying to see some. I'm just trying to see some of the the odds right now. Um, yeah. So I th I think this is gonna be a fun fight, regardless of what happens. And uh, I'm really looking forward to it. I, I think Tuovasa's got some quick hands. He's had some tough situations when guys were taking him down and, and that type of thing with, like, Blagoy and not really knowing what to do. But we we have a fun matchup with this one. So that's why I think this one is really, really intriguing. And I'm looking forward to see what actually will happen with this. Um, bear with me one second as I try to navigate this website. <clears throat> Excuse me. Okay, where are we now? Where are we? Where are we? Where are we? We are right here. Okay, so for DraftKings Sportsbook, we have Derek Lewis, who is a minus 170, and Ty Tuovasa, who is a plus 150. And going back to the main event, Israel Adesanya is actually a minus 290 favorite, and Robert Whitaker is a plus 230 underdog. So we have some really good odds with these. Good chance to make some money. Now our next matchup, Jared Cannonier versus Derek Brunson. Big matchup for the middleweight division, given that the, the main event, this could possibly... Reveal who will be the next person in line. <clears throat> the winner of this one, whoever has a, a, a really good performance, I think they can make their case to be next in line over Sean Strickland, who just beat Jack Hermanson. Strickland, very dominant performance, but probably in the eyes of the UFC of what they want to push, probably going to be tougher to get the, the nod for the title shot if this one turns out to be a fun and more exciting fight in the scheme of 
go out there and swang them, you know, swang them things. You know, that's what people want to see. But then it is like you do all this technical training in the gym to go out there and just brawl. It, it, it kind of blows my mind when people say fights like that are boring. It's just like, how is this a boring fight? We literally train like this all eight, nine, ten weeks. We're thinking that we're doing something proper and we get to the performance. You have the performance and people kind of shit all over it. It's kind of kind of crazy. Um, but whatever. That's just, I guess that's just the game. Uh, Jared Cannonier is a minus 160 favorite and Dark Brunson is a plus 140 dog. Cannonier hits hard. What was his last one? Um, who did he just beat? I think he just beat someone who's just, yes, he did. He beat Kelvin Gastelum in a very close fight. Very, very close fight. Cracked Gaslam a couple times. Um, I think the fight was a unanimous decision, even though I thought it was a little bit closer. And Gaslam was 17-7 and record, but he's still one of those guys who's just so good. Cannonier, 14-5. and He's 37 years old, 5'11", 77.5-inch reach. And before his Gaslam fight, he lost to Robert Whittaker. He beat Jack Hermanson, KO, uppercut to ground and pound in round two. Beat Anderson Silva via knee injury and beat David Branch back in 2018. Damn, I feel like David Branch hasn't been around for a while. 2018 is not that long ago. Now you have Derek Brunson, 38 years old, 6'1", 77-inch reach, beating Darren Till, Kevin Holland, Edmund Shabazian, Ian Heisnitz, and Elias Theodoro. So one, two, three, four, five, five fight win streak. A win for him here really could help him stay his case. And if he could do it in a spectacular fashion as well, like we talked about, he has that awkward style. He's been a little bit better with not rushing in with his chin up in the air. He's been keeping his chin down a little bit more. And I think that has helped him get off a little bit more of his uh, offensive attack. The one thing I will always question is his cardio because it tends to happen in every single fight. If he doesn't knock you out right away, he tends to just fatigue or at least it looks like he's fatigued because his mouth is usually wide open it looks like he's taking these big deep breaths and if you ask anybody what fatigue looks like that's what people would probably say that looks like he's fatigued and that's again not talking shit that's just the facts i'm just giving you guys the facts of what i'm observing and when i see that it, it begs the question like when he gets into these five round fights and he has a guy like a cannon air he has a guy like a strickland guys who won't get tired how much more challenging will that be for him to go those three, actually five rounds, those five rounds in a fight like that? He wants to rematch with Israel Adesanya if Izzy wins. But again, Izzy hasn't been a guy to, to who's known to get tired. So I just, I, I think he's got a, a tough road ahead, but it's his road ahead that he deserved and he earned. You know, so if he gets this win, I would much be, I would pretty much be pretty happy for him to have made such a up-and-down career and then finally stringing it all together, working with Henry Hoof, changing up his gyms, and then making a title run, which would just be super impressive for someone of his caliber and of his age to get something like that done. Now you got two of these guys, 37 and 38 years old. Both of them do not have time on their side in terms of going on another long run of winning three or four in a row in this middleweight division. Cannonier, he's already been at the top. He lost one, then won one right back. So he still kind of maintains that spot for him to get another win. Helps put him in that tournament category of, like, the elimination odds. And I think he would be in a good spot if he could get this win over Derek Brunson as well. Um, like I said, Derek Brunson much improved since way back when. 
Uh, his fight with Darren Till was a crazy one because there was the moments of him getting tagged up and then he manages to somehow attach his arms around Darren Till, take him down, and beat him up on the ground. But from the feet, did not. it looked pretty scary in the sense of like things weren't looking that good for him. You know, so big fight for him, big fight for Cannon Air, big fight for the middleweight division. Looking forward to it. Um, Kyler Phillips taking on Marcelo Rojo. Marcelo Rojo. Marcelo Rojo. Now, Phillips is a minus 425. Rojo is a plus 320 as per DraftKings Sportsbook. Go check those guys out. Now, Marcelo Rojo made his debut. I believe at 145 to Charles Jordan. He's coming off a of combate. Uh, uh, so he hasn't fought in a very, very long time. That was back in 2021 of March. So the week after my fight. Um, he's the guy who wins. He's had, he's had his highlights on. And he'll do like the little T-Rex. And he'll get the finish. And then he'll be like. Rah, rah. Pretty hilarious. And then he'll make his knees like bow-legged. And he's running around like a little T-Rex. Tyrannosaurus Rex kind of thing. I actually think that's hilarious, but my comedy and my humor is a little different <laughs> for a lot of people. He's 33 years old. I didn't even know he was that old. Oh, shoot. 33 years old. Uh, he's 5'8", 71 reach, 71 inches in reach. Kyler Phillip, he is 9 and 2. He's 26 years old. He's 5'8", 72 inch reach. Losing his last one to Rulian Paiva, who just lost. Not too long ago to Sean O'Malley. Has Piva fought since then? No, he has not. Um, well, that was also December of last year, so that's not that long ago. Uh, before that, he beating Song Yadong, unanimous, unanimous decision, beating Cameron Else, um, elbows from back mount um, in round two. And before that, beating Gabriel Silva. So he was 1, 2, 3, and 0 oh, in the UFC. They ranked him. And then he lost to Paiva and they unranked him. And then Paiva got ranked. And then Paiva got to fight O'Malley. It's such a weird thing because it's I'm not saying Phillips isn't good because he's a stud. But there's a lot of good guys who are on like a 4-5 fight win streak. Like how are those guys not ranked? You know what I mean? But a guy could come in 3-0 in the UFC and get ranked like almost like right away kind of thing. I don't know. I don't control that. He also has a loss to Victor Henry who just won over Barcelos, Rione Barcelos. Split decision loss, but a loss nonetheless. He was 5-0 and at the time. So a lot of experience from Victor Henry, 14-4. and So to lose to him, that's a that's a tough fight. He lost to Brad Katona, majority decision in the exhibition fight to get into the fighter house. So he's have a lot of experience in fighting some tough caliber guys, guys with names, um, guys who've been around the block, so to speak. Cameron Else, that's a good tough dude that he beat. Trains here at Syndicate right now, 30 years old, from England, who also has a win over Patty the Batty, Anaconda Trogan round one. You know, so uh, Cameron only fought once, too, only against Kyler Phillips. I got to check that fight out because I don't even remember it. That was back in 2020. So Phillips, my thing about Phillips, he has a lot of good footwork. He got tied in that fight with Paiva, but he was putting on an absolute clinic in round one um, on Paiva. And then somehow, some way, he started to slow down, giving Paiva the chance to get back into the fight and find his, his home for his strikes and things like that. Now we got 
his footwork, we got his speed. He's very agile. He's good off the cage. He's good when he could plant his feet, throw something, and he's back on his bike, and then he's circling, he's circling, he's circling, and it's just nonstop circling. Like, it gets to a point where you have to kind of, like, conserve and chill. Like, you can't run a marathon on your toes. I mean, you can, but a good guy who's able to put some feints in and get you to throw and waste energy when you're throwing spinning back kicks, spinning wheel kicks, spinning back fists, and you're trying to throw combinations or heavy kicks. Kicking is very exhausting. It's the, one of the bigger muscles in your body, one of the biggest, if not. You know what I mean? Um, and in terms of your extremities, so to speak. So you got your two arms, you got your two legs, so biggest muscle. So when you're trying to fire off a kick and then you swing and hit nothing but air, nothing but air, uh, now you're back on your bike, you're, you're expending a lot of energy in the same muscle group. As opposed to if I throw a half punch and then pull it, not so bad. But if I throw a half kick, it generates a lot more energy, requires a lot more out of me, and uh, I think it just takes more out of, the, out of the gas tank, and I think that's what happened with him against Paiva. Now, with this one, very tough fight. Marcelo is a grinder, guy that just kind of just goes forward, has almost no regard for his own health. If I'm being completely honest, it's like he's out there. He's willing to put his chin on the line, put his face in the line, and get it right in front of your fist so that he can land something hard. He's willing to step in there, land some elbows, land and throw some knees, make it a gritty, dirty fight. You want to fight? Let's mother go, puto. That's the type of fighter that Marcelo Rojo is. He's just a dog. He's willing to be in your face the entire time. When he gets hurt, he might reset just a little bit, and then he's coming right back after you. And if, even if he gets hurt a little bit, sometimes he's still going forward right after you. So I do think, although they have crazy odds in this fight, this is a great opportunity for Marcelo Rojo to push the pace as long as he doesn't get caught coming in and being reckless coming forward with that aggression. Cutting off the cage. Not being super wide and letting Phillips kind of just dance and then spin back to the center. Utilizing great ringmanship. If Marcelo can cut him off, stay tenacious, and not take too much shots coming in, I think this is his fight to pull off an upset and really, really catapult himself into the upper echelon of the UFC Bantamweight division real quick with a, a big win for him. This is his Bantamweight debut in the UFC. He's fought a Bantamweight before, but this is a big opportunity for him. And I'm not saying this because I've trained with him. I, I, I've trained with him, and I have seen his style, and I've seen some of his fights at Combate. He's a tough dude, man. He, he really brings the pace. He's a grinder. He's durable. He hits hard. He's taller than me. He's 5'8". He's got a really good frame. And he's pretty strong in his own right. So I do think if he can get in those clinch positions and make it a gritty fight, get a hold of Phillips to keep him from being on his bike and using his agile techniques, I think this is a great opportunity for Rojo to get the upset. But again, on the flip side of that, if he cannot do that, I do think, Ro I think, do think Rojo is going to have a tough time trying to locate Phillips, who has very good ringmanship and has a good tactical strategy of typically touching and going. Touching and going. Kind of like a Sean O'Malley-esque kind of a style where O'Malley is doing all of this basketball stuff, but he's on his bike. He'll go one way, go, juke move you out the other move uh, other way, and then pivot back to the center. And then he'll throw something, pop, 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 kick, and then he's out of there kind of thing. That, again, takes a lot of energy. But when you're using the hands, you got a little bit more time to set your feet and plant those big power shots and then get out of there and still avoid strikes, if that makes sense. Um so very, this is my sleeper fight for the night, I do think. I think this is going to be a banger. I mean, obviously we got the main event, but I do think this one is going to be a really fun fight, and it's probably going to be a bloody one. That's just my my take. Um, Nasrath versus 
I don't know how to say his last name, versus Bobby Green. This is a big fight. Bobby Green beating our last guy in Ally Quinta. Bobby Green minus 140. Um, Nasrat is a plus 120 underdog. So, of late, Bobby Green has looked really good, especially his last one. Very pinpoint accurate with the one-two that he lands on our guy. Um, Iaquinta, um, of all the times for him to be as accurate as he can be, that was the the, the time that we did not want that, you know. Um, but it happened, you know. So, kudos to him getting the job done. It seems like he's getting better with time where Nazrav lost his last one. He beat Hafa Garcia and beat Alex Munoz before that. Um, he's 26 years old. 5'10", 72-inch reach from Afghanistan. Bobby Green, 35 years old, 5'10", with a 71-inch reach. Um, beating Iaquinta, losing to Rafael Faziv and Tiago Moises. And before that, being on a three-fight win streak over Alan Patrick, Lando Venata, and Clay Guida. And Clay Guida, look at that guy. He looks like he's turning back father time once again. So this is where we're at. Nazareth's kind of like a well-rounded guy. He hits hard. I've seen him hit pads. He guy can crack. Bobby Green, he's kind of like the guy hands down. He does the rolling thing. You know, he'll talk, pop, throw the, like the jab down the middle. He'll throw that front kick um, up the middle as well. And as we've seen of late, he's gotten better with his side-to-side -side movement backing up and then firing his one-two down the middle and having a lot more accuracy with it of where he's actually trying to land those strikes and not just throwing it to throw it. He's throwing it and having a lot more pinpoint um, accuracy in spots that can actually put his opponents down. So with that being said, I do think this is a good fight for Bobby, but at the same time, I do think Nasrat can make it a little bit of a grimy fight if he could get in there and grapple with him a bit. But Bobby's not a slouch in the grappling department. I do think he has some, some real good skills in that regards he, he has shown in the past against the Tiago Moises and um, some of the other guys but I do think if Nasrat could, could press him against the cage take away some of the movement of Bobby I think Bobby sometimes tends to just hang out but if Bobby could be on his bike keep that forward pressure when he's offensive like he was against Fazeev he can be a nightmare for a lot of these guys in this um, UFC lightweight division I do think he's starting to come into his own even though he had those tough losses to Moises and to Fazeev he's shown a lot of promise and a lot of skill develop, um, development from where he was previously to where he is now if that makes sense so I'm looking forward to this one and uh, I can't wait a couple of sleeper fights that I think people should definitely tune into. Obviously, we've got the legend Arlowski taking on Vendera. Um, Casey O'Neill taking on Roxanne Matafari. I do believe this is um, Roxanne's retirement fight. This is going to be a good fight. Two high-level grapplers. Casey a lot younger, of course. But Matafari, a veteran. One of the OGs of the game. 39 years old. Been around for a very long time. Her record is 25 and 19. So she's fought the who's who's of this division. And I do think um, she has a veteran mindset to win. But Casey O'Neill, she's a savage. She trains hard. Um, I've seen them both work out in the gym. I, I never wanted to talk about it. I, I, and even when I found out, I found out that they were fighting like maybe like two weeks ago. And when I saw that they were fighting, I was like, uh, I'm, I'm one of those guys where it's like, because I, I, I train at Syndicate from time to time and I'll train at Extreme from time to time. So whenever I do see that there is some type of matchup like that, I stay all the way out, as far away out as I possibly can, where if I see this guy training and I see them, I try not to even, I, I don't even look. I don't want to look. I don't want to have anyone ask me, because sometimes I get friends who go, they'll hit me up for like bets and stuff, and they'll ask me like these weird questions. I'm like, do you think I would be okay with training at any gym and knowing that 
people are hitting them up, asking them on the side, like, what do you think about Sterling's ground game? What do you think about his conditioning? What do you think he's been doing for, like, his, his striking? Does it look good on the pad? Like, things like that is super awkward, super unprofessional when I, when I see people that are willing to give out that type of information. That's not cool. That's not okay. And I think when you do stuff like that and people find out, you should be kicked out of the fucking gym. Point blank, point blank, period. You know, Casey does a thing. I come in. I do my own thing. I don't even watch. I try not to watch. Um, so, I've, obviously, I'm in the gym. So, when I turn, like, if you're in my vicinity type of thing. But, again, I try not to watch. And I usually don't get to watch pretty much anything longer than maybe, like, five, ten seconds of a clip kind of thing. So, um, some other guys, like in my weight class, I watch guys like that. Like th- that, I think is fair game. Like we're trained together, and it's good to know what that band of weight is doing versus that band of weight, and seeing what type of skill set I can take. Like I watched Cody Garbrandt hit pads. I didn't sit there and stare at him and watch, but just to watch how he's setting his feet, um, to see how he's throwing punches because he's predominantly a boxer. So it's good to see a, a good boxer with good mechanics. And see how they're doing things to wonder like, okay, I do mine like this. My feet are so spread apart that I don't have the agility to do things the way that I want to do. But the way he's able to do his feet are a lot closer and he's able to go pop, pop, pop and really machine gun his hands and make it look like super pretty, super fast. And I try to see if, if that's a style that could work for me or is it something that I, I could kind of adopt for my own in certain points of a fight kind of thing, if I need to switch and make an adjustment, okay, I got to bite down my mouthpiece. Now we're boxing. We're just giving him straight hands right now. And then I bring my feet closer together, and I know this is what I got to do kind of thing, put my hands on him. Um, so in that regards, that is like whatever. But I would never, like I've had people ask me, um, send me a message, like I heard you train with this person or I saw that clip you post. How is that person? And I have to tell them like, listen, dude, like that's not the way I operate. I don't ever want to be associated with that. And that's just not cool. This is not proper gym etiquette. And I, I, I do think there's something to be said about the, someone's character. Um, maybe they're young in the game and they don't know. But if you're like an older person who's been around the game and you're doing that, I think that's kind of slimy. And I understand by any means necessary you want to win. But I, I just think it's just kind of a snaky slimeball move. That's just my personal opinion. To each his own, if that's what makes you feel good, do your thing. I just don't want to be any, any part of it. Um, and even for this fight, I made sure that I wasn't even training at Syndicate that much, uh, unless it was a weekend. Um, so I almost never saw Roxanne at all this entire time from when I actually found out that they were actually fighting each other, you know? So, uh, that puts me in a much better place, um, mentally and at peace in my heart, knowing that there's no way I could ever be in a conflict of interest in a situation like that. Cause that's, that's just not, not okay. May the best woman win. Looking forward to it. Battle of Las Vegas. Alex Perez, Matt Schnell, um, Max, Maxim Gershon taking on William Knight. That should be a fun one. Um, Mana Martinez versus Ronnie Lawrence. That should be a good one. Renato Mocano versus Alexander Hernandez. There's a lot of good fun fights on this card. Uh, Fabio Charant taking on Carlos Oberg, one of um, Israel Adesanya's teammates. And there's another guy making his debut, I believe. One of Adesanya's teammates, I think, is this kid, Mike. Yes, Mike Matheta, um, Blood Diamond, who is only 3-0. But he's had a lot of kick, kickboxing fights and experience taking on Jeremiah Wells. Um, the Silva de Andrade taking on Sergey Morozov, who fought Umar Nurmagomedov a while back. And then for Khalid Taha, won a unanimous decision over him. 
So there's a lot of fun fights on this card. Malcoon taking on Dobson. And uh, I'm excited for this, man. So I hope you guys are ready and tune in for this fight. I'm not going to do the entire breakdown of the entire card. I just want to give you guys those quick little facts. Um, uh, and from my outside experience and kind of thinking about it like that way, I guess. Um, just who I think can win, what the matchups are. Just so if you guys are betting to help give you guys a little bit more of an educated, if you're not fully a, a fight fan, give you more of an educated take from my point of view, you know, so take what it is and do what it do, whatever it is that you do. All right. As always, guys, if you like my shit, subscribe to my shit or spin it back, fish, baby. See you guys later. Peace.